No, that's a sentence. That's right. <laughs> it's really weird to do this with people. Usually, we are much less. It's weird enough. Just yeah. Hello and welcome to Fatal Error episode 30. This is the last episode of season two. That's right. So at the end of... Um, you just looked at me. <laughs> so I can look at Chris because we're in the same room. Um, Chris has come, come for a visit and we've actually gathered a few friends together here for a live studio uh, recording. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, as you were saying, right, this is episode 30, which means this is uh, the last episode of our second season. We arbitrarily decided we were going to do a 20-episode, 20-week season. Yep. And this is the end of that. So, after this, we're going to put Patreon on pause so that you won't be charged for June. June. And then you'll be charged again in July, and episodes will start going up July 6th. That's right. And that'll be season three. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, we really want to thank you for supporting our Patreon and helping us with editing costs and hosting costs. Uh, it really means a lot that people even listen to this podcast and that they appreciate us enough to pay us a little bit of money. Yeah, absolutely. And if it weren't for uh, you, Patreon, then we would not be doing season three because we would have been paying a whole lot of money for editing. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, do we have any other errata to cover before we... Odds and sods, as they say? I think that's everything. Those are all the odds and sods that I had written down. Cool. Great. Um, this week we wanted to talk about Swift on the server. That's right. So as I understand, Serge, you have recently started a Swift on the server project. Yes. What are you doing? Um, I am starting a project. Uh, it needs an API. And so we basically have a Postgres database and a little bit of, you know, massaging of data. And that's basically it. So a very simple project, really, I think, good for something like Swift on the server. I guess a good place to start would be why, why did you choose Swift on the server to start? Um, I have been, I'm, I'm sick of Node.js. Ruby <laughs> is fine, but, um, you know, I, I, I want, I want all the niceties of Swift. You want a type system. I want a type system so bad. <laughs> uh, I want, uh, and protocols. I want, um, all of the stuff. And I, and I like, I like Swift and I'm good at it and I know how to make good stuff happen in Swift. And like, I just want to be able to leverage that on the server as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. Um, so, as I understand, there are a number of server-side Swift frameworks. Uh, I've not used any of them or done any server-side Swift work. So, what did you like? What did you look at when you were starting this project? Yeah. So, like you said, there are a few. Um, I, we kind of held off on this topic. I think both of us kind of were curious about it, but since neither of us had any experience, we held off for a little while. But I started uh, this project maybe like a week ago. Okay. And so now that we have some experience. <laughs> Literally days yeah. of experience. I have many days of experience um, with Swift on the server. <laughs> uh, so there are several different frameworks. One of them, so there's Vapor, which is the one that I chose. Okay. Um, there is Perfect. Um, there's IBM's Kutura. There's one called Zewo. Okay. Which I think it's pronounced Zewo. That, I mean, that sounds right. We'll go with say. it. Um, and there's a couple of other smaller ones. Like we talked about... Um, friend of the show, Kyle Fuller's Frank, uh, which is another like server slash writing, writing library that he wrote. Right, and we mentioned that in the Japan episode. Right. Yeah, when, that's right. I uh, got to hang out with Kyle. Okay. Um, so there's a couple, you have a lot of different choices, but in terms of um, ecosystem and in terms of like the available libraries and everything, uh, Perfect and Vapor are the ones that are really high up there. Um, we have some friends that use, uh, that have used Kitura. 
and uh, they say it's good as well. But um, the main thing that drew, drew me to Vapor was that they have the most installs of anybody, so I figured they would have hit the most problems. And they had a, like, a thriving cloud community with thousands of people on it that I could like, actually ask questions of. That totally makes sense. Thousands yeah. of people, really? Thousands of people. How many people are, so how many people are actually writing Swift on the server now? Uh, according to my analytics. Um, no, I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, like, is it thousands, hundreds of thousands? Like, I would guess ten, thousands, ten of maybe friends? tens of thousands. Okay. Um, I think in terms of like active projects that are actively serving daily requests, probably closer to hundreds, maybe thousands. Okay. But, huh. um, yeah, that's my guess. That's still pretty... That's still pretty good. Yeah. And, and here's my thing. I feel like if somebody had written like a critical service, service for their app or their like, um, you know, API in Swift, they would have bragged about it. They would have said, oh, we're running Swift here and aren't you proud of us? Yeah. And um, so since I haven't seen anything like that, I'm kind of thinking that there's fewer like really serious production employees, mostly side projects and stuff like that. That was kind of my thinking. Yeah, like, that's, my, that's my guess. You've been writing Swift on the server for several days now. Right. At least four. At least four days. Uh, what have you gotten done so far? Um, I have a I have OAuth working with Twitter. Um, and is that is there a library that you used for OAuth? Or no, did you I implement? Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of why it took a long time. Okay. Uh, so login working, and then this thing relies on your Twitter mutuals. So I have basically a calculation that like intersects the arrays of your um, followers and what Twitter calls your friends, which is the people that you're following. Okay. All right, so that's a like, yeah. not trivial amount of interaction with another API. Yeah, yeah. So I, I work with some web services, and then I've been working with our database as well. So I have a little bit of you know both sides of that coin. Okay. Yeah. How's that gone? So the documentation is terrible. Um, the Docu documentation on Vapor side, on Apple side, on so on Vapor side mostly, but then there's also lots of other stuff. Um, the documentation is terrible. The library support is really bad. The um, you know trying to solve anything involves like digging into the digging into the source code to figure out exactly what's going on. The foundation frameworks are like not implemented. So you know if you want a URL session, you can't get URL session shared. You can't make an ephemeral you know configuration. Um, there's lots of date math that's not implemented. Stuff like that. Um, Those are the things that like are there. This there's the ongoing foundation rewrite in Swift, right? Right, exactly. Okay. The core lips foundation rewrite. All of that stuff is true. What am I having the time of my life? Okay. It's really, really fun because you're writing Swift. It's on the server. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to, so you mentioned library support and um, you're digging into the source code. Is this, like, are these problems with the, like, framework, like the frameworks that are available now? Uh, is this something that like the Swift, um, the Swift team could do more to support? Like, what source code are you digging into to find problems? Yeah, so, like, um, for example, uh, when I started this project, it was on Vapor 1.5 because I picked the template at random just to get something going, and Vapor 2.0 had actually come out by then. Okay. So I looked up um, how to do SHA-1 hashing for the OAuth signature. Um, it just didn't work with the syntax that looked like should work from the GitHub repo. Turns out it's changed in Vapor 2.0, and um, okay. I needed to use the Vapor 1.5 syntax, which I didn't realize. You can't command click on anything because you can't really use Xcode. Um, you huh. can. It's tough. Because there's a weird thing of, like, if you want it to run on your Mac, then you're using the Mac version of Foundation. But then when you deploy it, it's not going to work because all those pieces of Foundation are out there. Yeah. Um, and then if you run on Linux, um, it's going to target, like, when you build, it's going to 
built using the Linux build system. And so Xcode doesn't know about that. And so the wrong things from syntax highlighted and, and it just doesn't work right. How's, how's writing Swift outside of Xcode just in general? I really miss autocomplete. I mean, honestly, option, option clicking on like stuff to figure out what the types are, um, autocomplete, command clicking on types to see like, what can I do with this type? Like, what is this? Yeah. Um, how does it work? And like being able to like explore the, the, the graph of types that we have is just like sorely, sorely miss that. Although it works in Xcode half the time anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Xcode's broken in some ways. Yeah, so the, 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 you asked, like, basically what libraries, like, who could fix the libraries? Right, like, what library support issues are you running into and who, like, who can contribute fixes here? Right, so, so let me, basically it's everybody's fault. Um, okay. Apple could do better by, like, finishing Foundation. I don't know how long that would take, but, like, it would be really nice if we could use all the parts of Foundation. And then the Vapor team, like, their documentation, they have documentation for some stuff, but they really, really could do a much better job. Um, there's things where it's, like, really basic stuff, like, uh, you want to know how to join two tables for, like, a many-to-many connection, and you want to use custom foreign keys, which is not documented anywhere. I don't even okay. know if it's possible. That's, like, the next thing that I have to, like, figure out. And they, they don't say it because, like, not that many people have run into that problem. Are you sending documentation pull requests as you're uh, encountering these things? Oh, this is my fault. <laughs> you just said it's everybody's fault. Uh, well, I meant all the library maintainers. The, <laughs> the end users. Totally, totally blameless. Um, yeah, so Vapor could, could step up their documentation game a lot. Um, and the other thing is, is Vapor is broken into many, many different Git repos and many different modules. Ah. So there's like Vapor Core, Vapor JSON, Vapor Node, um, which is not Node.js, it's a different node that they use to like <laughs> weird cool. um and then there's like vapor engine which is like the atp stuff and like all these components so like you go digging for something so you're like you have to search through github to find it because you can't really reliably find it any other way yeah but it's not let's say it's not in that repo then you have to go look somewhere else and eventually you track it down and then it doesn't make sense like i said because you're looking at the 2.0 version of the code and you need it to be the 1.5 version so that stuff is challenging so vapor could definitely work on just unifying the thing, making the documentation better. The people I've talked to on the Vapor team said they are working on that. They have like a brand new documentation page coming. Um, but that's just like, it's a slog. And it's like the stuff that happens when you get more and more users and more and more contributors and stuff like that. Yeah, and still, you're a fairly young project. So, right. Yeah. And then lastly, there's the third-party developers who make libraries, just throw them up on GitHub and put a, put a pod file in there and say, you know, my job's done. Um, those I've, I, I have definitely done that. I, sure. I, I think I think everybody's going through that. Um, uh, but the thing is, like, those don't necessarily work on uh, they don't necessarily work on Linux. Yeah. So that's part of the reason I rewrote the OAuth thing. One, because I wanted to learn how OAuth worked, and two, because um, you can't like really the thing I needed was the ability to build the OAuth signature, which is like the thing that signs all the parameters and query parameters and URL and method and everything, yeah. and gives you one thing that the server can check to make sure that the request wasn't tampered with. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't exist as like a standalone component anywhere. So um, I had to kind of extract it from this other uh, project called Swifter, which is a Twitter client written in Swift. Um, and it took a little while to get everything to work. Uh, but um, and it's not really that person's fault because why would they expect it to, uh, yeah. to be like used on the server? Like why would a server be making connections to Twitter? Like, you know, this stuff's brand new. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, this was another hurdle that you kind of have to get across if you're going to use this stuff. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. So one of the things that you've mentioned, uh, you mentioned pod files. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned that Vapor split into several modules. Right. What does package management look like in Swift on the server world? Right. So I don't know 
quite enough about it, but definitely we're not using Cocoa Pods. It is, everything is sort of package manager based. When you load okay. up that Vapor template, it gives you a package that's with file, and Vapor is one of the included dependencies. So when you run the builds, oh, builds are really slow too. That was another negative I didn't say. <laughs> um, oh, and testing is really hard too. You gotta make like a separate module, you can't test the actual executable that you make. Doesn't Swift have the, the Swift PM have some testing facility built in? It is, but the way you do it is by extracting all your domain logic into a separate module, huh. and then and then your app module or your yeah your app module is the one that gets executed, and then your domain logic module is the one that you can build into a library that is testable. Okay, interesting. So, yeah. so you're using Swift PM, right? Swift PM. So I haven't had to install any other packages yet, and you know me, I'm a little I'm a little wary of, right. of other people's code. <laughs> uh, so 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 far it's just been Vapor. Um, I haven't used any like you know third party networking libraries, third party Twitter libraries. Um, Vapor comes with a Postgres adapter, so that part is kind of taken care of for you. Okay. Um, they, it comes with this thing called Fluent, which is their basically ORM. Um, and yes. so I've been using that stuff. Foundations NSURL session isn't like rewritten in Swift, so Vapor has done their own HTTP. Like, yeah. So I think so. Your session does work. I am using it for the Twitter. Stuff. Okay. Okay. But it's only certain parts of URL session that are missing. Ah. Um, but. I don't think URL session will handle receiving a request and sending a response. I think that's what their quote-unquote engine is for. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That makes yeah. sense. So one really interesting weird thing that's been fun is Vapor is totally synchronous. Okay. So so what does that mean exactly? So it means that, like, you know, you basically you register a function for every route, and that function, like, takes a request and it returns a response. And it returns like some responses getting sent back to the browser exactly. or to the API client. Exactly. And that function is synchronous. That function is synchronous. Okay. So um, you know the way the node works, node has like it'll give you uh, or it'll give you a request object that you can read parameters off of, but it'll also give you a response object that you can send data to. Right. So you know you can do asynchronous stuff and then just grab a reference to that response object and just send it the thing and then tell us that it's completed. Right. Vapor doesn't work like that. I'm given to understand that Kitura does and Perfect maybe does, um, but uh, Vapor doesn't. And so what that means is your it's it's a lot like writing Ruby on Rails. Everything is synchronous. Right. So when you make a network request, it can just be a function that you call and just return the value that you want. It's like beautifully straightforward. Yeah. There's there's no nesting. There's no indenting. It's awesome. <laughs> and then the functions also throw, so you can handle like your errors there. Okay. Um, which is also cool. And almost every function in Vapor uh, is marked as throws, so that you can basically throw from anywhere, and it'll get handled correctly in terms of should it be a 404, or should it be a 500, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. They have certain codes that if you, they have certain error types that if you return them, it will automatically turn them into a, like, 404 or 403. Right. You know. The right HTTP. Yeah, 529 yeah. or whatever. Um, all that stuff. So, yeah. Cool. All right, that sounds... Yeah. So the synchronicity basically means that since you don't have, um, since like all your network requests now don't need to have completion blocks or promises or anything, they can just return stuff. So I basically like, um, it's, I don't know, code just reads really nice. It's like, hey, get the followers from Twitter. Hey, get the following from Twitter. Um, and then intersect those. And it's just like one after another um, and you're done. If you wanted to like say, get your followers from Twitter and your friends from Twitter uh, asynchronously, like at the same time, and then you, you, what what sort of concurrency tools do you have available if you want to like if you want to do something like that? Right. So the one thing that you can do is if you do necessarily like you want it to be asynchronous and you want two things to happen at once, or you want them to be parallel, let's say. Right. Um, they give you a special thing that you can return, and it's called like response.async, and then you pass a block to that. 
then it blackens the perimeter that you can tell it when you're done, basically. Okay. It kind of like nodes, like response, you'll, you'll tell it when you're done. Okay. Um, and so what, you, what that basically does is it will just block the thread until you, like, are done. That's, <laughs> like, what, I, that's what I was thinking. It makes so like, use, you, yeah. like, use GCD to... Do you have GCD available to you? You do have GCD. I, I'm given to understand it's not as good because GCD is built on, like, some specific BSD component that I forget the name of. It's mm-hmm. better on iOS and, and Mac platforms. Okay. It's like a very Darwin core thing. But you do have GCD and it does work. Okay. Yeah. So that's how my network client works is it calls into a URL session and then just blocks with semaphore until it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, so are there any other, like, any other interesting things about Vapor, about the, like, Swift... Uh, Swift on the server ecosystem that you want to that you want to mention? Yeah, I would just say if you want to get into it, I recommend I'm having a blast. Um, but you just need a certain amount of patience because okay. the Stack Overflow answers are limited. The help and stuff, the people on Slack are helpful, but like they, um, you know, they have lives. They're trying to live their lives, <laughs> and you know, your question may not get answered. You're gonna have to hack on stuff. You're gonna have to since you don't have like types that you can option click on and find out what you're looking at. You're gonna have to print a lot. Okay. I don't think you have breakpoints. I don't really know if there's any way to make the breakpoint thing work. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff that like you kind of feel like you're back in the Stone Age. Yeah. And you just have to be patient and work with it and be thoughtful about your debugging and like get through it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know this is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah. Where are you deploying this? So that's another really interesting question. Um, I tried to do like an EC2 thing so that I wouldn't have to set up multiple environments on my computers. I could just SSH into edit and then get commit right from there. Oh, do it live. Yeah, do it live, exactly. Well, yeah, and that was like the development <laughs> environment and then we like to set up a production oh, okay. That ended up being terrible. Um, <laughs> so I picked up Docker and Docker was actually super easy to use. I thought it would be like a whole new tool I would have to use, but it's actually really straightforward. Okay. So I'm using Docker to like run locally on my computer and then eventually I think Heroku will probably be the simplest thing to deploy on. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, that's I think pretty much all that I have to ask you about, that's everything that I could th- that has come to mind. Uh, and since we have a live studio audience here with us, <laughs> we thought we might do a Q&A if, if anyone here has questions that uh, about Swift on the server. Yeah, if you're curious, if you think about trying it, and um, you want to know how some part of it works, or if something that I said didn't make much sense, come forward, ask a question, and I'll try to answer it. Hey, I'm Mike Libertor. Um, you mentioned uh, before that you can't really use Xcode for this. Uh, what are you using, and uh, can you go into a little bit of detail of why you can't use Xcode for this project? So the Xcode thing, this may be a tractable problem. I'm not 100% sure. But basically, when I tried to open, when I tried to create an Xcode project with uh, all the files that I needed to, to make the thing work, um, and Vapor gives you a really nice tool. They have like a toolbox or a command line tool. You can do like Vapor Xcode, and it will automatically create that Xcode project for you, which is great. So you double-click on that and open it. Um, and when you go to build, it'll say like, it'll go to like build a thing. And I guess one of the configurations is wrong or when you installed that particular version of Swift for that particular directory in Docker, you installed the Linux version. So, um, when it goes to build, it goes and tries to find a specific library. I think it was, I don't remember which library it was. And I can't remember if it was looking for the Mac one and couldn't find it because the Linux version was installed. Or looking for the Linux one and couldn't find it because now it was in a Mac environment instead of a Linux environment. Hmm. That definitely seems like something that 
could be fixed. Yeah. So, and I, and my Git repo is just the code. So I think that I could make um, a separate version outside of the Docker like folder directory on my computer, install the, the necessary dependencies there, and run it straight from there. Um, and then from that, then I would have all the libraries I need to like run the run the thing and build the thing in Xcode and do the testing in Xcode and everything. Um, the problem there is one, uh, I haven't played with it enough to know if that's impossible. Uh, and two, as I develop and as I like, I'll be like writing code, writing tests, just to check that my stuff works. And then when I go to run it, it works. And then when I go to put it on Linux, then certainly, um, then at that point, cer certain libraries might not be there or certain parts of the foundation might not be there. And it'll like fatal error. Um, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the reason that I can't use Xcode. Um, if one of our listeners does know about this and has done this in the past, definitely I will hear about that. Um, yeah, and then and then as for what I am using, um, basically TextMate, that's what I do all my Node stuff in. Um, so I'm like comfortable like writing server code there. It feels like an actual home for that. And then um, to build and test, uh, just the command line, basically. Builds and tests are pretty slow. So, like a cold. So, if you if you do a clean, that actually blows away your uh, your dependencies folder, and so it has to refetch everything. That takes about ten to fifteen minutes to actually do a full cold um, build. Uh, an, uh, an incremental build, which is not as fast as an expert incremental build, um, that just like doesn't fetch those dependencies, uh, will take maybe fifteen to twenty seconds. So the, the loop of like write code, compile it, test it is pretty slow. Um, and then testing is roughly in the same boat. Vapor has commands for both, so there's vapor build and vapor test. Um, and they just call into the specific Swift command. So like you can write Swift test, you can write Swift build, and it will do pretty much the same thing. And the test command takes about the same, about 15 minutes to build everything. And then the running of the test is really fast, but it's just getting everything together before you can, huh. before you can run it. One of the things that you mentioned is Docker. Do you want to give a brief overview of what Docker does? Yeah. Um, do you know more about Docker than me? I don't know. Because I don't know much about Docker. Neither do I, but... My best, my understanding is that it's like a configuration system for a virtual machine. It's like a template for a virtual machine. So you write this thing, and then you tell Docker to run this thing, and regardless of whether you're running on Linux, on Mac, on Windows, on whatever, it will set up everything so that you have Postgres, so that you have Swift, so that you have Plain, so that you have um, Vapor, all your little sub-dependencies and all your little sub-services, you can like put them all in one place and tell it to set them all up and it will set everything up and have a running instance for you. And I would note that it's like it runs it in not a full-blown virtual machine, but some sort of container. So yeah. that some, uh, at least like the kernel and some other maybe some other stuff is shared between your containers and the host, and so that makes it a, lot, a little bit faster. There's a good diagram of exactly what is shared on the Docker website and how it differs from like a full-blown VM. Right, right. I read that too, but I don't understand how I could be running in Ubuntu. Like it is definitely Ubuntu, but also it's still using my Mac kernel. I don't really get how that works, but whatever wizardry it is, like it's working. But one of us is definitely wrong. No, no, I mean, I've heard that argument too. You're definitely right. Um, it's in there. I just have no idea how it works. Hmm. But it's definitely a bunch of So they're doing some kind of, some kind of magic. A really informative podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Mm-hmm. Yeah, any other questions? Hey, it's Matt. Um, quick question. I think I remember there being a Swift on the server WWDC talk last year. Have you watched that? Was there anything useful in there? Or um, has that affected what you're doing at all? I remember watching that talk because I was super interested in it. But um, it was a while ago. And now that um, I've like learned so much other stuff, I don't remember learning anything specifically in that that was like, oh, this makes more sense now. Um, it is pretty much what it is on the tin. Um, but it's also possible I've read so many blog posts and stuff after that that like that information ended up being not as useful. So, yeah. I've read it. I just don't remember. Or I've seen the, the talks. I just don't remember there being that much useful stuff in there. Hey, I'm Tamar. Question. Um, speaking of Swift on the server, do you think teams should aspire to be language-specific rather than platform-specific? So, like, do you think teams should organize around a language that they use rather than working on client, backend, right. iOS, Android? Uh, I think that's actually a good question for both of us. What do you think, Chris? So I think my answer here is a bit influenced by the Times, which is a larger organization, right? We tend to organize around, like, individual product teams, and where product teams are generally supported by, like, share, like, a few different uh, server and, like, service teams that that we all communicate with. And so, I don't know, at least for a large organization, this I, I don't know if organizing people by language makes a lot of sense since, um, I don't know, it seems to, I think it does work fairly well to have like, to, to still divide things up by some idea of, of like products. And maybe if you're a company that makes one, like one product that happens to have a website and mobile apps, then the answer may be a little bit different, but I haven't thought about that, and that's not like the world that I've been living in for the past couple of years. Yeah, it's a super interesting question. One answer is that regardless of the language, there's still a lot to learn from the platform itself. So you can imagine um, a lot of people in this room are iOS developers. We could write Mac apps, but there would be a lot to learn. There's a ton of stuff in AppKit, there's a ton of different considerations on that platform that we just don't have to think about on iOS. And of course, considerations we have on iOS that just don't end up mattering um, in AppKit. So I think um, it's, it's kind of a similar thing there where you're still going to have to learn all the platforms and all the, the vapor stuff and, and what the limitations are on Linux and all of that. But that being said, I kind of don't, I think it's all upside. Like whether you, if you organize your team, like Chris was saying, um, in terms of like product teams and you have a lot of services for your for your API layer, um, having the ability to say, okay, well, our team is actually just going to make our service in Swift um, is just much better because then your um, then your client team can like access that code and like tweak it as needed. Yeah. So the ability to like have this thing, no matter how you're set up, if you're just one developer and you are uh, writing both the client and the server, it seems like you know we have a little bit of a win there. And like other contexts and other ways you can structure your team, it just gives you more options. And I think those options, in a lot of cases, are really good, especially for for iOS developers. There's a good point that whatever you're doing, you're going to be learning, like not just a language, but whatever frameworks and libraries that you need to know. Uh, you want to be familiar with at least a little bit with like the domain of whatever product, whatever um, whatever your product is doing, and. If you zoom out enough on that, it's like the specific language is almost kind of an like an implementation detail. I don't know if it makes sense to organize, like to actually put organizational structure in place around that so much as like whatever happens to be meaningful to your organization, if that makes sense. Right. 
But I do think if your organization does choose to make source services, it's just a total boon for Swift developers. Um, like the people who listen to this podcast and like the people in this room, because now you can you can mess around with more stuff. Yeah. Hey, I'm Josh. Um, so I was wondering if you've, like something that excites me about Swift on the server is being able to share code between the two or, or find some ways you can optimize that. Uh, have you identified anything yet, like maybe models or things that you can share between both back and front end and have some, some time savings? Yeah, um, yeah, and that's a really good question, yeah. For sure. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot since before I was writing Swift on the server stuff, um, which was five days ago, roughly. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my feeling on it is that your database representations on the server and your JS and yeah and your and your basically like persistent representation maybe that's core data or realm or an S coding or whatever on the client are going to be wildly different. Like you're probably not going to run a Postgres server on your client so that you can reuse the same code that you that you get to use on your server. Um, they kind of have to mirror each other in some ways. Um, they have the same like. The model objects in memory, though, like right, but the functions that you attach, shape. they do. Um, but the functions that you attach to those and the abilities that they're going to have, like maybe so, in Vapor's case, your models all have to uh, like like a to protocol, um, and maybe you could do that across some kind of module boundary. Could you add that protocol conformance right in a like separate non-shared module? Right. That's yeah. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. It's like your you you have your shared model module, and then you have your uh, web app domain module, and that thing would have all of your like that thing would have that conformance in there. And but there's still implementations that kind of leak out. Like uh, um, for the vapor, like it's called the mod, it's called model is the name of the protocol. You have to have a variable called exists that returns true for its like having some kind of internal implementation detail thing that they need. I think it's for like soft deleting or something like that. So you could do a computer property that just always returns true, but really you probably want that to be on the original thing so that if you ever do need to mutate it. So that implementation would link up to your shared module. Hmm. My thinking on this is though that um, even on the client, there are many different representations that you're gonna need. You're gonna need JSON representation, you're gonna need a um, NS coding or a core data representation. You might need certain presentable representations. Um, different stuff like that. And my thinking is that the right way to do this is to make each of your models a protocol and then have sources iterate through all those protocols and iterate through their properties and generate every um, type that you need. So if you need something for Postgres on the server, done, generated. If you need something for JSON on the client, done, generated. And at that point, with like the source annotations or whatever annotation method you have, you can say, the JSON key for this, like let's say it's, you know, ID or whatever. Um, in JSON, maybe lowercase ID, and, and your app you want to be capital ID. Um, you can make sure that those always match because they will be like generated from the same thing. Uh, so that part would be really nice. Um, and another related thing that I think is worth talking about is that we are trying to mono repo thing with this project. So oh, cool. API goes in one folder, uh, iOS goes in another folder, and they're both in the same repo. And so if we do want to do code gen, we do want to do anything like that, we're kind of set up, set up to, to do you that. You set up really well for that. I'm really yeah. curious to hear how that goes, because that's something that I think makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I've never, you know, I've never actually convinced any company that I'm working for to do it. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's it's really interesting. Yeah, we haven't been doing it for long enough for it to make sense, or for it to, like, have any benefit. Um, there's not really much crosstalk between the API and the yeah. 
decline at this point, but I expect there will be. Maybe we'll cover this in season three. There you go. New topic. Okay, well, unless uh, unless you had anything else to cover, Suresh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, no, that's it for me. All right, well, again, thank you so much to all, all of you who support us on Patreon. It really means a lot to us, and you're making Fatal Error possible. We had a great season two, and we're really excited to get back to you for season three. And if my math is right, that will be July 6th. July 6th. So talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.